Hello, everybody, and welcome to 30 Minute Thrive, your go-to podcast for anything and everything HR, powered by MRA, the Management Association. Looking to stay on top of the ever-changing world of HR? MRA has got you covered. We'll be the first to tell you what's hot and what's not. I'm your host, Sophie Bowler, and we are so glad you're here. Now it's time to thrive. Hello, everybody, and welcome to this episode of 30 Minute Thrive. I'm excited to talk about this topic for today, and it's one that it's really never going to lose its importance and a topic that people are always looking at for new tips and new advice, um, and that is managing work-related stress and burnout. So I'm also excited to introduce our guest for today. So I'm here with Michelle Hyde. MRA Learning and Development Instructor. So welcome to the podcast, Michelle. Thanks so much, Sophie. So excited to be here with you today and to be talking about this really important topic. Absolutely. Well, Michelle, I know you hold a lot of expertise in diversity and inclusion, employee experience, coaching, and event planning. So I know you have a lot of great tips on this topic, like time management and communication. So the title for this episode is Surviving the 9 to 5, Managing Work-Related Stress and Burnout. So let's start out by talking about how you can really identify that stress and burnout in the workplace. So Michelle, what are some common signs and symptoms of work-related stress and burnout that employees and employers really should be aware of? Great question, Sophie. So First off, we all have stress. Every one of us has stress, whether it's a deadline, maybe it's a big project, an upcoming public speaking engagement, all of these things are stress. And I think a lot of times stress and burnout are used interchangeably. You know, it's kind of viewed as the same type of thing, but they actually are different. Uh, Stress is that more short-term stress. It's, It's, you know, we have a big event coming up. We have a big launch that's coming up. So there's going to be stress that's going to be involved in that. Where burnout is a more prolonged and heightened response to that stress. So in the 90s, uh, Dr. Christina Maslow did uh, developed uh, the MBI, the Maslow Burnout Inventory, and it's still used today. And according to her research, there's actually three characteristics that distinguish burnout from everyday stress. And those characteristics are emotional exhaustion, depersonalization, fancy word, and then reduced personal and professional accomplishments. So basically what it means that in addition to this overwhelming exhaustion you feel as a result of this burnout, there's usually decreased motivation, lowered on the job performance, and then negative attitudes towards both yourself and other people. Sounds like a real party, right? (laughs) Not not really. (laughs) Not so much, no. (laughs) But that's the difference. The stress is kind of that one-time thing where that burnout is is as a result of all those things kind of piling up. Well, that's good to know. I feel like, like you said, a lot of people do use those terms interchangeably, but it seems like you have to be experiencing the stress for a while to kind of experience the burnout. Yes. Mm-hmm. It's kind of compounded. Yes. And it shows up, you know, if you have ever, we all get tired in the mornings, right? And it's, it's hard to get out of it. But if you have ever really, truly struggled to get out of bed in the morning, and then what you do, there's this disproportionate emotional response to what you're seeing, maybe in your email inbox, you get an email, 
everything just seems like the biggest deal ever. It could be anger or you could burst into tears or the situation doesn't really call for that. It's just completely disproportionate to the situation. We may be looking at burnout at that point. Mm -hmm. I kind of have another example of that when you mentioned about kind of um, having a hard time getting out of bed and just kind of feeling exhausted right away in the morning. It's also kind of like the feeling on Sunday nights where you're just dreading work and it's eight o'clock on Sunday and you're like, oh my gosh, I have to go to work tomorrow. And that just, those thoughts consume you. I feel like that could all Sunday scaries. Yeah. Sunday scaries are real. (laughs) Absolutely. I think I saw something on LinkedIn recently that said your workplace culture is how your employees feel on Sunday night. And I thought that is a really eye-opening quote for sure. For sure. Well, kind of moving on into the next question, how can employees really differentiate between normal work stress and burnout and when they should be really seeking help or taking action? Yeah. So it it's somewhat of a chicken and the egg mentality at that point. You, the more burned out you are, the less able you are to bounce back from things, sort of the less resilient you are. And so it kind of becomes the cycle that you get into. Um, I think once the exhaustion becomes long lasting, once um, you start making mistakes at work, you're missing deadlines, your emotions are getting in the way of things happening at work, all of those things, it may be time to get some help. Uh, And help can come in many different forms too. So everything from seeking out your support network of friends or family to reaching out to a counselor from your organization's employee assistance program, maybe even just having a heart-to-heart conversation with your leadership where you can say, this is what I'm dealing with. Is there any way we can rebalance some of these priorities that I have on my plate right now? All of those things can look like help. It doesn't have to be just one particular thing. Yeah, that's great advice too. And you noted communication. And I know I'm sure you have more advice to come on communication, but I feel like keeping your manager or your boss in the loop of how you're feeling and your emotions with how you're dealing with stress and burnout is also really essential too. Absolutely. If you have, if you built that sort of basis of psychological safety where your employees feel like they can come and talk to you about things, then you're going to get the real responses as opposed to just this canned answer of, oh, I'm fine. And well, just having employees push through this burnout because that's when mistakes happen. And that's when that's when we start to get into some real trouble, actually. Absolutely. So what are some effective strategies then for managing these heavy workloads and long hours to prevent this burnout? Well, what's interesting, and I actually found this out just in doing some research for this podcast, Burnout doesn't only result from long hours. So there have been some studies that say, you know, if you work over a certain number of hours per week, that's going to have detrimental impacts to your health. But what I found out about burnout is that it tends to be the types of work that we're doing, not necessarily the hours themselves that are causing the burnout. So there was a study, I know, done um, in 2020 by Gallup and the results showed that working less didn't necessarily equate to happiness. It was more questions like, are you able to shine within your role? Are you able to make a positive impact? Are you getting strong feedback on your work? It's when that work starts to feel like it's out of our control 
that's when that burnout really sets in. And additionally, the study showed that the relationship with your manager sets the foundation for almost all other causes of burnout, which probably comes as no surprise to you. <laughs> that role with our managers is so important. So, you know, no pressures, managers, but oh my goodness, it's so important. Absolutely. Well, I feel like it's also just important if you do have a really heavy workload um, or just working long hours. Something that helps me when I'm feeling a little overwhelmed is just setting small goals every single day. Even if the goal is very small and it's something like cleaning out your filing cabinet or maybe it's, I want to make five people smile today. But when you... But when you accomplish that, you feel so good about yourself and at the work you're doing. So it makes that big, heavy workload just seem more doable, honestly. And and also finding motivators, like what motivates you at work and um, what can help kind of build your resilience. I know you'll get into that later, but I think those are some kind of things that help me when I'm feeling a little overwhelmed too, is just setting those small goals and checking them off. And then you kind of feel successful and it builds your confidence and motivation too. Absolutely. You've got to find those wins throughout there for sure. And I think when you're looking at a really heavy workload and you're trying to balance everything, the first thing I would recommend people do is make a list of absolutely everything that they have to do. Now, in the short term, (laughs) me too, huge list person. In the short term, this can stress you out more. (laughs) I will tell you this as you're making the list and as you're looking at every single thing, you might start thinking, oh my gosh, like I'm never going to get all of this done. But stick with me here because from there, you go through the list and you prioritize everything with an A, B, or C based upon importance. And if you're able to do that, you can kind of triage, okay, what are the things I have to get done before I leave the office today? Those are your A's. Your B's are, what do I maybe need to finish by the end of the week? And then C is, what are those longer term projects that I don't want to lose sight of that those also need to be on there too? So that that prioritization can be really helpful too. And then once you've identified where you think the priorities are, run it past your supervisor too. Make sure they're on the same page because an A to you maybe a CD or so supervisor. How can you balance those different things? And um, just having a second set of eyes on that can be helpful too. Yeah, that's also great advice. I feel like it would be kind of tricky if you made the list and you prioritized so many A's and your boss looked at it and said, no, all your B's should be A's. Right, right. Make sure you're on the same page there. Back to that communication. So we talked about this a little bit, but what are some other effective time management techniques that can help employees balance their workload and prevent that burnout. Well, I'm so glad you brought this up because MRA does happen to offer a whole time management class. Ding, ding, ding. (laughs) But um, it's a class that I teach. My supervisor, Kathy Price, teaches. Many of our instructors teach the time management class. And we've gotten fantastic feedback on how it, it really is some of those tools that you just haven't thought about in a while. It's a really good reminder. So definitely would recommend taking that time management class. Um, but some of the tools that we offer within the class, um, if you've ever heard of the Eisenhower method, 
it's a, a circle grid where you kind of identify what are the most important things that you need to do based upon some different ideas. So I, I would encourage folks to uh, look up the Eisenhower method, um, certainly the prioritization that we had talked about with the A, B, and C with the list. Um, there's also a tool that I used a lot in grad school that I love. It's called the Pomodoro technique. Have you ever heard of the Pomodoro technique? I've heard of I've heard of that word, and I don't remember exactly what it means. So you should get a refresher. Absolutely, it's you know a lot of times it's associated with a tomato timer. I think just Pomodoro, and um, so what it is, it's this idea, and there's all kinds of online resources where you can utilize the timers. And I've seen it done in a couple different ways, um, whether it's 15 minutes or 20 minute increments, but it'll set a timer for 15 minutes. We can do anything for 15 minutes, right? At least that's what I tell myself when I'm on the treadmill. <laughs> 15 minutes at a time, right? And so if there's something that you really need to focus on and it needs to be heads down work, turn off your email, turn off your teams, it'll set a timer for 15 minutes and then you get a break. And then another 15 minutes and you get a break. And then another 15, 20 minutes, and then you get a longer break. So it's basically just an idea of sort of breaking down time in order to focus on really specific pieces. And so for me, when I was in grad school, I was reading some really um, dense material. And I would say, okay, if I can read this for 15 minutes, then I can take a 15 minute break. It was a great way to kind of break up the studying. So for those really sort of cerebral tasks that you have, or maybe even just things that you've been pushing off, I think the Pomodoro technique can be really helpful too. And then, yeah. And then finally, just making your calendar work for you, right? You know, there's all sorts of different things that you can do, whether it be blocking out time to do certain tasks, whether it be setting up office hours where your team can get a hold of you and they know that they can reach you during this time. What are the things that you can do to make technology work for you? And in particular, your calendar work for you too. Absolutely. Kind of going back to that technique that you were just talking about, like so many people feel like, oh, I have eight hours in a day. I need to be working that eight hours a day, like no breaks. And that's also what can cause that stress and burnout too. So that that technique where you're working hard for 15 minutes and then you're kind of taking that break that also allows you to just breathe and cross off something on your list. Right, right, absolutely. And again, back to that motivation. I think, Sophie, the reason you and I like lists so much is being able to cross the thing off. That's the best part of the list, right? I love doing that. And coordinating. Oh, yes. Oh, yes. For sure. You're like list maker 2.0. I love it. (laughs) So kind of moving into setting boundaries, how important is that in setting boundaries in the workplace for managing work-related stress and Do you have any tips or advice on how to establish maintaining healthy boundaries? Mm -hmm. You know, I think this is boundaries is a word that has really come into play in the workplace much more frequently in the last few years than it has. I mean, I think if I asked my dad about, you know, well, what were your boundaries like in the workplace? He would laugh at me. He would say, are you kidding? Like, what's a boundary, right? Um, So I I think that with boundaries, like much of this, it's so individual based upon what kind of a job you have, what kind of a, a a role you have, what are your responsibilities. So boundaries might look different for different workplace cultures and then different roles too. 
So I'm thinking about like a healthcare organization or, you know, if you're on call or if you're at the highest levels of leadership, you may not be able to turn your phone off or your notification off. That may not just be not a reality to you. It's an individual thing. So I think the question is, what do healthy boundaries look like for you personally? Mm -hmm. Uh, I've heard of one of my colleagues doing this uh, with a trusted colleague. A lot of times our colleagues can see when we become a little bit more short fused than even when we ourselves can see it. Sometimes it's easier for us to recognize it in other people. Mm -hmm. And so they created this honesty pact where they said, if I can tell that that the emotions are coming pretty fast, maybe I'm sensing some burnout, I'm going to go to them and neither one of us can get offended by this. But I'm going to say, hey, maybe it's time for you to take a day. Maybe take a personal day. And by having that honesty pact and knowing they could both go to each other and say that and recognizing some signs of burnout in you, would it be helpful for you to take just a, a step back? No, maybe that's not going to one day off or or even a couple days vacation isn't going to clear every ounce of burnout that you have, but can it lighten your load a little bit? Would it be helpful? And yeah. I love that. And it also shows that your manager or supervisor does care about you, that they're offering, hey, take a day off. We notice you're you're experiencing a lot of stress or, or burnout even right now. Absolutely. Sure. Oh. The word or the term self-care, I feel like, has has been pretty explosive the past couple of years. So explosive. How does that help? So I'm curious what role self-care does have um in in managing work-related stress and burnout. And do you have any self-care tips or practices that employees can kind of incorporate into their everyday routine? Mm-hmm. I think self-care is one of those words that it means something different to a lot of different people, right? And in the research that I've done around burnout, I found that a number of different experts say that self-care alone can't fix burnout. So listen, say you're a heart surgeon who has done 100 procedures this week, or maybe you're a full-time caregiver for a sick family member or something like that. And then I tell you, you know, go do a sheet mask, go get a pedicure right? That's going to be one more thing on your to-do list that you just can't get to. And in some cases, it can actually make you feel worse because it becomes something else you're responsible for. So I just thought that was a really interesting way to look at it. Um, So instead of thinking about what we normally consider self-care, I actually pulled a group of my friends and I said, what are the things that you do to manage work-related stress? And I loved their answers. One friend in particular I I just thought that this was so valuable. So the first thing was delegation. And I don't think we normally think about self-care and delegation as going hand in hand. But her point was that both professionally and personally, are there things that you could afford to hire out around the house that would take stress off of you? So things like yard work, things like house cleaning, things like meal prep, all of these different things. What can you delegate in both your work life and your home life that will allow you more time and space to work on what you do best. Who loves that? So you know, great example. Yeah, I thought that was such a good way to look at self-care. Another thing is sharing tasks. So another one of my friends and her spouse, they take turns doing the dishes. And one deals with the dishes on even days of the month 
and what deals with them on odd days of the month. Now, this may sound very specific, right? But by doing this, nobody feels like it's unfair. Nobody gets resentful. And another thing that this couple does is they assign point people for tasks. So maybe one person is in charge of all things scouting for their kids. And other partner doesn't have to read emails, doesn't have to organize anything with scouting. That is the one person's job. They are totally owning that. The other manages basketball camps. Same role. We we aren't worried about uh, the other person isn't going to read the emails. They're not going to bring the snacks. It's all sort of shared by that one person. So that way they don't kind of get in each other's lane with that. And then it lessens the amount of things that they personally have to worry about. Well, that's totally smart. I feel like a lot of people don't um, kind of use delegation in their personal life somewhat. That's great. And I feel like I like how you said that self-care alone can't fix burnout. And I almost feel like it's kind of like putting a Band-Aid on the burnout. If you, I mean, if you're feeling stress and or even feeling symptoms of burnout and you go take a hike, that's not gonna fix your stress and burnout. It's gonna maybe put a band-aid on it. But if you consistently do it each week, it might in the long run help you. Right. Absolutely. So kind of talking about how employees can um, effectively communicate their needs, how can they communicate their needs with their employers and colleagues when it comes to managing this stress? This is a scary proposition for high performers because people, especially high performers, are fearful of being seen as weak. They don't want to be seen as a whiner. And so if you're really stressed out, if you're really burnt out, it some people feel like it looks like failure going to your supervisor and asking for help. And spoiler alert, your boss and your team probably already know. You know, we love to feel like, you know, we, we've put up this big wall and nobody can tell. Guess what? They probably are. Yeah. So by being vulnerable and being open to help, you can actually take some really positive steps towards resolving that burnout, which is also something that high performers are looking to do. We're fixers, right? We want to get in there and, and make sure that we're fixing whatever the problem is. So by taking these positive steps and reaching out and opening up these lines of communication, that actually is what we need to do to get to that fixing mindset. There's a fantastic article from Harvard Business Review from 2021, and it's called How to Tell Your Boss You're Burned Out. <laughs> and it, I mean, talk about like perfect timing, right? Yeah. Um, it gives some really great tips, um, like start by telling a work friend if telling your boss seems too overwhelming. Can you go to a peer instead and have that conversation to kind of practice it a little bit? Um, I suggest things like owning your feelings, which can be tough for us too. You know, a lot of times we just try to push it down. Own your feelings. And then thinking about what it would look like to make the situation better before going to your boss and asking for help. So one of the things that can kind of take that whiny mentality off the table is if you think about what the possible solutions could look like and how you could get there, before you start talking to your boss, then it's going to seem like you've thought this out, not like it's the hot potato that you're trying to pass to your boss that says, hey, I'm burnt out. How are you going to fix it? Mm -hmm. It's put more thought into it 
So you can go in there proactively and say, and here, here are my recommendations. What do you think? Yeah, absolutely. And you gave this example earlier on um, kind of having your manager recognize that you're burnt out and giving you the option of having a vacation day or a free day. So this also may be very important when it comes to high performers that your manager or supervisor can identify you as a high performer and as someone who may not as easily speak up about stress and burnout. And they may have to play a bigger role in kind of offering that help instead of the employee coming to the employer. (laughs) Absolutely. Yeah. So can you explain what resilience is and how building resilience can help employees cope with work-related stress and and how to prevent burnout? Are there any strategies or exercises that you can kind of offer up that can help improve resilience? Yeah. So uh, in our uh, change management uh, training that we do, we talk about some visual representations of resilience. And we like to use the examples of a willow tree and an old metal trash can. So think about the kind of trash can that Oscar the Grouch was in. (laughs) So when there are winds, there are high winds here in Iowa, we've been having a lot of those um, recently. Uh, with the spring weather and all of that, willow trees have a tendency to bend and in the wind and they bounce back to their original shape. Now they may lose a few branches along the way, but ultimately the willow tree and palm tree actually too, both of those trees were designed to be able to bounce back to their original form and not show all of the damage that's occurred to them on the outside. Uh, an old metal trash can, if you think about every time you, you know, hit it with your car or it's fallen over. It shows every single bump and bruise. And resilience is ultimately getting to that point where we're able to come back to center a little more easily and not show every single bump and bruise because we've been able to find that center more quickly and more easily. Now, it's easier to bounce back when everything's going great. Mm-hmm. Think about what happens when you're in the middle of burnout. You know, we can definitely become more that old metal trash can in those cases. And so that's why it's so important to to think about what are the things that keep you resilient? What are the things that are going to help you find that center a little bit more easily and making sure that that picture is full in good times? So when a bad time comes along, you have something to actually pour from in that case. So how can we become willow trees? Yes, that that is the question. Yeah, Um, You asked if there are any sort of exercises that you could do. Um, There's some different assessments out there that you could take that um, just kind of see, you know, how comfortable are you with change in particular? Um, What does resilience look like for you? And where are your strengths? Where are your weaknesses as it relates to that? And then maybe doing a deeper dive and looking at your team as well. It could be a team exercise that you do, some sort of a resilience assessment to say, how does my team bounce back from adversity? And um, what are what are the things that we could do to continue these positive thoughts? Um, I think celebrating wins is, I, and you had mentioned that earlier too, you know, just with the to-do list, but also with your team as well. If you're celebrating wins along the way, and it's not only what am I doing wrong, but what am I doing right as well? Those are the things that can really help us fill that resilience bucket. Those are great ideas. 
now I'm looking for some of your real life stories and examples because I know you probably <laughs> have so many, but hey, who doesn't at this point, right? <laughs> Could you pick one story that kind of shows someone or a group of individuals who has effectively managed work-related stress and burnout and any lessons that you can share from that experience? Yeah, absolutely. So again, this is individual, right? This is not going to be a one-size-fits-all answer. Um, are, are you kind of sensing a theme here with that? <laughs> that yeah. All of this about burnout is really individual. Um, I've heard several stories lately, especially post-pandemic, of people taking a look at their roles and determining either what they like or maybe don't like so much about their roles and assessing if that role is still the right fit for them at this time in their life. Dear friend who went out on her own as an entrepreneur in 2020, the worst possible year to decide I'm going to be an entrepreneur. And she's been okay for the last three years, but burnout was definitely a factor in her choice to return to working for an organization. It's just not the right time in her life for that particular role. And she was excited about the security and the flexibility an organizational role would offer her as opposed to being the one person who is responsible for everything. So I'm not saying that you need to leave your role in order to overcome work-related stress and burnout, not at all. But I encourage folks who are burned out to kind of audit what is most important to them right now. Is it flexibility? Is it compensation? Is it making a difference in the world? It could be all of these different things, but then assess your current role and what could you be doing differently? How do you need your supervisor in this conversation? What does that balance look like for you? So I think it's asking the questions to find out what are the things that are going to be the most motivational for you, the most impactful for you, because ultimately, even if you're working those hard hours, those long hours, if the work that you're doing is fulfilling and rewarding and it makes you want to get out of bed in the morning, then that burnout is going to be alleviated. Absolutely. And I would also just encourage to do those reevaluations throughout your career, even if you haven't experienced that stress or burnout yet. I mean, it's important to always be evaluating, is this the best fit for me? What could I be doing better? Um, what changes can I make? So yeah, that's great advice, Michelle. <clears throat> but as we do wrap up here, do you have any ways or resources organizations um, can provide to help its employees with stress or burnout? Absolutely. So open door policies. I think we talk a lot about open door policies, but really showing through action how important that is. Approachability goes a really, really long way as a manager. If I feel comfortable talking to you, then when there's an issue, I'm going to come to you much quicker than, you know, trying to hide it, trying to to, to just go through the motions and then um, having mistakes down the line. So that approachability is huge. Uh, for managers, check in with your teams. Ask them how they're doing and then really listen to the answer. Not just sort of a perfunctory, you know, how's it going? Oh, yeah. Times are tough, right? No, like really listen to what they're saying. And maybe sometimes not only listening to the words coming out of their mouth, but their nonverbals and their tone too. What are the different things that are adding to that story to get to the bottom of it? Are they really doing okay? Or 
could they use a little bit of extra support at this time? Next up is flexibility. And we're hearing time and time again, especially post-COVID, flexibility is so huge for so many employees right now. So the question that you as a manager or organization could ask is where can you be more flexible? Is it in how the work gets done? There's a lot of different ways that work can get done. Um, is it how? Is it when the work gets done? Can you be flexible in that hours? Is it where the work gets done too? So we, we've seen a lot about, you know, return to the office versus work from home. Where is the flexibility within all of that? Mm -hmm. um, managers can be really helpful with prioritizing or rebalancing. So if an employee comes to you and says, I am really overwhelmed right now. These are all the things I'm working on. Can you help me triage what's going to be the most important right now? Being open to having those conversations too. And not looking at them as failures, saying you're seeing this as a, a bonus that they came to you. This was really, really hard for this employee to come to you probably. So to be able to have those conversations about how to rebalance things um, as a manager is, is really key. And then finally, as you start to recognize the signs of burnout on your team, letting your team know about any sort of employee assistance program resources that may be available to them. So I think oftentimes we sort of default to, you know, the, the mental health counseling, which is certainly an aspect of this. But there's also things like financial wellness that, that people, and that goes back to that self-care that, that we were talking about earlier, right? A lot of he's awful offer legal counseling as well. So, you know, is that a resource that could be helpful for them? We never fully know what's going on in somebody's life. And so to be able to offer the resources that we can, can really alleviate some of those burnout, the burnout symptoms that they may be experiencing in their personal life, making it a little bit easier in their professional life as well. Those are all great resources, Michelle. And I would just reiterate that MRA does have a time management class too. So feel free to go on our website and check that out and sign up and maybe we'll get Michelle as an instructor. And as it's fun, I promise we have a good time with it. <laughs> oh, yes. Well, that is all the time we have today. So I want to thank you for being on 30 Minute Thrive today, Michelle, and really share your knowledge and advice on managing stress and burnout in the workplace. It's definitely an important topic and it's something that it's never going to go away. So to our listeners, if you liked our chat and topic today, I would encourage you to share this episode, leave a comment, share it with your friend or coworker, leave a review, and consider joining MRA if you aren't a member already. We have all the resources you need in the show notes below. We've included Michelle's bio and LinkedIn profile if you want to get in touch with her. Otherwise, thank you so much for tuning in today. Thanks again, Michelle. And thank you, Chelsea. This was a blast. Thank you. Good. And we will see you all next week. And that wraps up our content for this episode. Be sure to reference the show notes where you can sign up to connect for more podcast updates. Check out other MRA episodes on your favorite podcast platform. And as always, make sure to follow MRA's 30-Minute Thrive so you don't miss out. Thanks for tuning in, and we'll see you next Wednesday to carry on the HR conversation.